Welcome to Mighty Buildings Podcast. Each episode features architects, home builders, and industry professionals sharing their experiences, failures, and successes. At the end of each episode, we'll dive into how Mighty Buildings relates to the conversation through our use of 3D printing, robotics, and automation. This is your host, Sam Rubin, Chief Sustainability Officer and co-founder here at Mighty Buildings. Uh, Today, it's my distinct pleasure to welcome Rick Cole, uh, the Executive Director of the Congress for New Urbanism and a longtime uh, public servant here in California. Welcome to the show, Rick. Thanks a lot, Sam. Glad to be on. Would love to uh, to hear about kind of what uh, what you've done and and what brought you here, and, and then also a little bit more about the Congress on New Urbanism, because I, mean, I know you guys you guys are doing amazing work on creating more walkable communities and really reimagining what the built environment could look like in creating a healthy and and sustainable society, uh, but. You know, a lot of our, our listeners probably haven't has as much exposure to it as I have. Sure, Sam. I grew up in Pasadena, California, which is uh, right next door to Los Angeles, but is a distinct community of its own with a history of its own, much of it built before World War II. That's the town I grew up in. And while it was marked by racial injustice, which really shaped my early upbringing, um, there was a, a sense of place and a sense of community uh, that I imbibed unconsciously. And so um, mm-hmm. as, I, as I began to become an activist um, in my college uh, years in my hometown, I was um, fighting against uh, the establishment's desire to root out low-income uh, neighborhoods, predominantly mm-hmm. uh, inhabited by people of color. And I, I instinctively thought that not only was that unjust, but that they were tearing down fabric that, that had value and, and meaning and replacing it with um, auto-oriented, uh, ugly, brutal uh, architecture um, that, that just seemed like a, a tremendous loss. And it was I didn't really come to fully understand any of that until uh, I'd gotten elected to the city council, become mayor of the city, mm-hmm. my own hometown, and went to a conference at the Awani Hotel in Yosemite. And it was the first time that um, folks who would later become new urbanists had a chance to mingle and, and get together. A number of them were environmentally oriented architects from the West Coast. A number of them were were sort of neo-traditional uh, architects from the East Coast who were, who were rediscovering the way in which people have built places for 5,000 years and kind of junked uh, during this dark <laughs> period of American history when we when we decided to build giant freeways and giant skyscrapers yeah. and, and, and wipe out downtowns um, and, and existing neighborhoods. And so I listened to these folks and I just said, this is, this is exactly the key that I, I'd been lacking to understanding why I viscerally opposed new development. And it wasn't that it was new. It was that it was anti-human. That it was we were building our cities around cars instead of around people. So new urbanism emerged out of that um, in the early 90s and had a remarkable trajectory during the first 10 years. Suddenly people were waking up that maybe sprawl is bad and not inevitable, um, <laughs> that maybe yeah. widening freeways wasn't really solving our traffic problems, that, that, that wiping out existing neighborhoods in the name of progress wasn't actually bringing progress. So... New urbanism caught on. It, you know, there's a, a saying often attributed to Gandhi. Uh, first, they uh, ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they attack you. And then you win. And so we went through that yeah, cycle. That um, people ignored us. Uh, we would just go away. 
Um, and then they, they laughed. They said, oh, you're just a bunch of, uh, of idealists. Uh, the great American growth machine is, is too powerful for you to ever challenge it. And then they attacked us. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and then at least intellectually, we've won. But the trouble is we're still widening freeways in Texas and Oklahoma and, and, and other states. And in fact, in oh, even Los, here in California, I was going to say, even in Los Angeles yeah. County. Um, and, uh, and, and we're still uh, continuing to sprawl. But now, 30 years after New Urbans was born, now the, the message is even more urgent. Uh, because of climate change, because of the, the overdue racial reckoning in our country, uh, and, and because uh, a younger generation are, are locked out of housing affordability. They're locked out of um, the kind of places that people love. And when they find places mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that they uh, love, uh, they bid up the prices and, and, and create displacement and gentrification. So uh, I believe, and what new urbanism is about, is that um, living in vibrant, um, beautiful places is the birthright of every American. And that's what, that's what the Congress of New Orleans is about. We have three main priorities, uh, legalizing walkable urbanism, which is illegal in most states mm -hmm. and most cities. Um, you can't build what we all want to see. Uh, it's against the law. Uh, we, we want to design for climate change because climate change is here. It's not coming, you know, yeah. in, in decades to come. It is here now. And we're seeing that with, with um, the so-called natural I mean, The existence design. of fire season alone exactly. is, a, is a great is a sign of that. And then the other is, is what um, the mayor of Paris is calling um, the 15-minute uh, neighborhood. We've called it the complete neighborhood. But it's the idea that you should be able to walk or bike uh, to, to meet most of your everyday needs. So that's my story, Sam, and uh, and that's what, what that's, CNU that's is awesome. about today. Yeah, well, and, and going back to what you were saying about intellectually, you've won. What, I, you'll be pleased to hear that I was on a uh, on a call earlier with some master plan developers. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them was talking about a community they're building that's a five minute community, not even a fifteen minute community, uh, where everything you need is walkable within five minutes of your home, and no streets, completely walkable community. And so there's it really it's starting to get traction. It's even within the builder community, e even really high tech exciting. neighbor neighborhoods that are being uh, or, or cities that are being proposed by billionaires these days um, uh, are, are framed in a sustainable way. Uh, whether they could actually um, bring that to life uh, or not uh, in the middle of the desert in, in Arizona or Nevada is, is not clear. Or, or Saudi Arabia, depending. Uh, on, a more, on a smaller scale, though, new urbanist developers, new urbanist architects, new urbanist planners are heavily influencing real developments on the ground that are springing up all across the country that, that are a model. But they're not at the scale that we need. Um, and, and our most important focus is on infill. It's not creating um, new cities or new neighborhoods. It's repairing the damage that's been done to our existing neighborhoods and communities. Yeah, and, that, and that's wonderful. And I mean, I think when I kind of think about some of the changes that have happened in, uh, here across the bridge in San Francisco over the last uh, 10, 20 years in terms of trying to undo some of the damage that was done back in the 60s and 70s and the 80s with the deployment of the freeways and uh, tearing apart the uh, the Fillmore District and, and, other work, and other aspects, similarly, negatively impacting uh, communities of color. Yeah, every so, other year we yeah. put out a report called Freeways Without Futures that, that identify the 15 or 20 freeways that uh, in that have torn apart cities that need to be replaced. And we've had some successes. Um, here in Pasadena, we stopped the 710 freeway extension. In Buffalo, not only did they tear down the freeway, but they built housing where it used to be. 
uh, and re-knit together uh, a neighborhood. There are, are concerns about you can't go back to 1955, um, and there are concerns about does, does um, restoring high quality of life bring gentrification? Uh, but part of the, again, part of the reason that, that gentrification um, has a displacement impact is there's so few places uh, that are walkable uh, that people find them, mm-hmm. they love them, and, and it bids up the price. There should be a lot more of it, and then it will be much more affordable. Yeah, and, and I think all too often, due to the history of redlining and covenants, um, oftentimes those communities, all too often, many of the members of those communities who are the original inhabitants don't actually own the units. And so they're not, if there is if there is gentrification, they're displaced rather than benefiting from rising property values. Um, we've been in conversation with a project in Flint where it's interesting that it's the communities actually asked for newer construction um, because it is a community where there is a lot of empty lots, but a lot of home ownership by the people there. Mm-hmm. And so they see bringing in kind of um, a higher level of housing as ha- actually being an overall positive. And but that begins to get to, gets in the, into the difficulties of what is gentrification and how do we how do we properly address it? And, and Sam, that I think I think that raises benefits. something I think your listeners ought to understand. CNU doesn't claim to have all the answers or to um, to to be um, the solution to climate change, um, or, or urban inequality, uh, affordable housing. We're, we're part of a much broader movement, uh, that mm-hmm. of, of like-minded people and organizations, uh, whether it's bike activists, environmental groups, uh, socially oriented, uh, business people, uh, foundations, churches, um, activists, uh, community development, neighborhood, um, leaders, etc. That that broader movement, our place in that broader movement for the Congress for New Urbanism, is the architecture of community. It's the physical design. We care about the the people who live there. We care about equity and justice and sustainability. But but our skill and our contribution to this broader movement is figuring out how to translate that into, um, into actual architecture and not just at the, at the building level, but at the, at the community level and at the regional level of integrating, you know, it's one thing to build transit. It's another thing to have, um, the building around it that people can use. And, and you can't just take, uh, a freeway oriented hospital or office building or, um, or hotel and plop it next to a train station and call that transit-oriented development. You're taking freeway-oriented development, which is oriented to the parking lot, and you're plopping it next to a train station. And what happens is people don't use the transit. They, they go down the elevator into the parking garage and they drive their car away. So, so the architecture of community is really what we believe in. So people who, who understand the physicality of place and drawing upon 5,000 years of the timeless ways of building and then updating it for today's world, including a world um, affected by climate change. That's the dynamism of our move of, of our portion of the movement. And we've got about 2000 members. Um, Most of them are professional practitioners, but by no means all they're planners, they're architects, they're landscape um, designers, they're, they're builders, they're in the banking world. Uh, and they all have this passion and this skill for building cities um, that people love uh, through the architecture of community. That's that's who we are, and we welcome people um, to join us. But we also ally with people who have similar values, and we hope to we hope that we add value to the movement. 
Yeah, no, no, I definitely say you would. I mean, that's, that's particularly looking back at, I'm looking at your, your LinkedIn here and looking over your history. One of the things that, you jumped, that jumped out there is that you do have all these planners, you do have public servants, and yet a lot of times it's the parking requirements or there is, it's actually, it's, it's, it's some of the, that code that's driving that inability to achieve that walkability or to incentivize that transit. I mean, as you spoke to, it's illegal to build walkable cities in some places. I call it zombie zombie codes right this is the 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 night of the living dead it's uh these codes were drafted uh in the 50s and 60s by we'll give them the benefit of the doubt well-intentioned folks who said well look you know we need to have parking spots uh, we need to have seven parking spots for every uh for every car because you need to you need to park at the baseball game you need to park at your church you need to park at home you need to park at the office you need to park at the drugstore so we'll create in southern california we have seven parking spaces for every every car and we have That's more insane. cars than we have drivers um so they 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 built these codes it's it's uh, driven up the the public cost of maintaining half yeah. of the public realm in america is devoted to cars, right? Um, between parking lots and streets, and and, and people are are squeezed to the margins. Um, they get the sidewalks and parks, and, and that's it. Um, and sometimes the sidewalks are are narrow, non-existent, or have a you know a street architecture in the middle of them. You'd never put a utility box in the middle of a street, but you don't mind putting a utility box in the middle of a sidewalk, right? So the, the, these right. zombie codes need to be reformed. That's what we call legalizing walkable urbanism. It should be just as legal for people to walk and bike as it is for them to get in a 2,000-pound or 3,000-pound suburban assault vehicle um, to get a one-pound, you know, to a, a one-quart of milk at the store. People ought to be able to yeah. bike yeah. and walk for that. That doesn't mean they're going to go to Ikea necessarily with a cargo bike, um, but in today's world, a lot of that stuff gets delivered anyway, and so the 15-minute city is achievable. It will lower our carbon footprint. It will make our life better. And if we build enough of it, it'll make American life more equitable and less segregated. Yeah, and that, and I mean, it kind of highlights the importance of the shift we're seeing in terms of transportation by um, on the at least kind of on the on tech forward areas towards what might it look like to have autonomous vehicles where a car it's transportation as a service rather than a, a, something you own. So that when you do need to go to IKEA, you just the car comes to you and takes you there. You load it up and you come back. Um, so I think there's yeah, I think some of the new advances in technology really have potential to unlock some some amazing applications of new urbanism. Hundred percent. And and let me make this personal as we wind up here. I have been at this for for forty years, starting with with my own hometown, where I, I just felt in my gut that what we're doing was wrong. And I worked hard, um, and, and it's had enormous success. We now have a light rail line that, that's uh, highly um, ridden and, and has just been extended, you know, another another ten miles to the east. Um, we have we we have a a much more vibrant uh, downtown than than when I was growing up. Um, but it's also um, pricing things uh, out of reach of young families and, and working people. And and so I have three kids. And um, they're going to grow up in a hotter world. That's that's certain. Uh, how hot it will be is is you know with within um, uh, our grasp. But that it will be hotter, there's no question. And so we have a limited amount of time uh, to do the right thing. There's a sense of urgency. I I feel it in my bones 
but I think more and more Americans feel that, that things are not going in the right direction. People have different passionate views, and, we, and we're not a left-wing organization or a right-wing organization. Um, we have passionate people who have different political views. But one thing we agree on, and that's cities ought to be built around people, uh, that, that human beings um, have built cities in North Africa, uh, near the equator, uh, for thousands of years, and they they didn't have air conditioning, they didn't have refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not for banning air conditioning and refrigeration, uh, but as we we find that that's less and less um, an answer to our climate challenges, why can't we build um, more in keeping with the climate, more in keeping with our surroundings, more in keeping with with traditions and and local materials? Be more resilient, be more sustainable, and build equity into that. Um, that's that's my life mission at this point. That's why I took this job, and uh, I'm incredibly privileged to be surrounded by a bunch of people who are just as committed um, to that effort and extending their hands to other people who who share that passion. That's beautiful, and I honestly, I'm kind of jealous. I know, similarly lucky that I get to work be working on some big problems here in Mighty Buildings with an, an amazing, amazing team. But really, I mean, the fact that yeah. I think the, the Congress of New Urbanism is very lucky to have you because it's clear your, your passion and, and desire to, to create a better world and one that really serves humanity um, writ large is, uh, and comes through loud and clear. And, and that's something we, we need more of. We invite everybody who, uh, who, who would like to join us, uh, get there uh, on bike, on foot, um, on train or, or plane. Um, we, we are holding our, our first Congress in person since uh, COVID, we've been, the last one was in, in Louisville, and we'll be in uh, Oklahoma City in March. And Oklahoma City's right smack in the middle of the country. Um, it's a city with a tremendous story about turnaround uh, over the last 25 years of a, of a community that's, that's really put itself on the map, uh, repaired a lot of, of damage, um, rebuilt its downtown, invested in its neighborhoods, um, it'll be a great um, gathering of over a thousand urbanists, of people who share these views. Lots to learn from each other, and lots, uh, lots of opportunity to ins- to go home inspired. That's awesome. Um, and where can our listeners go to find out more about uh, that event and the Congress of New Urbanism more generally? CNU.org. It's very simple. Um, CNU Congress nice. for New Urbanism, um, and uh, we we would love to have um, uh, your listeners. Uh, understand more about what we're about and, uh, and become part of this much broader movement uh, uh, to save our cities and to save our planet. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think it's, it's awesome that you've made a point to make sure it's, it is nonpartisan because saving humanity should be. Um, and so I think that's, that's a really great thing to, that you're able to bring people together from across the spectrum, particularly in these divided times, uh, to begin to talk about these really important issues and how, how do we work together. So I think there's also a model there for how we might begin to address some of these other big issues. So that's really appreciate that as well. There are opportunities um, even, even in troubled times. And in fact, mm-hmm. I would argue that um, in some ways, uh, these kind of times sometimes bring out the worst in people. We certainly have seen that, um, and, and the media magnify it, no question about it. Yeah. Um, but it can also bring out the most heroic. Um, and as I said, f- um, back in the early 90s, as, as the mayor of my hometown, uh, I, I learned from, from these folks um, that there were real answers that could be applied in real time that could make a, a tangible yeah. difference. And I've seen how it's made a difference in not only 
the lives of people, but the lives of communities. So um, that that's the work we got to roll up our sleeves to do. A hundred percent. And thank you so much. Again, my guest, our guest today has been Rick Cole, the executive director of the Congress of New Urbanism, also former mayor of Pasadena, uh, deputy mayor for the city of Los Angeles, city manager of Santa Monica. So had an amazing uh, career of public service that he is continuing in, uh, in leading CNU. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rick. Mm-hmm.